0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. So joining us now from Giggum 24-7, Jeff Tarpley, been covering the Aggies for a long time. That's a good win for Texas A&M. That was a kind of win that I, I felt like A&M needed, not just for this season, but for, for Jimbo Fisher's time in College Station. Did, did you have the same feeling that that was a must-win on more levels than just wanting to win the next game? Yes, I
1: think that, that, that Fisher said I, either after the game or, or yesterday in the Monday presser that he didn't consider it to be a, a, a program type of win. But realistically, if A&M would have emerged from the first three games at one and two with losses to both Alabama and Florida, it certainly would have made it more difficult for them to be included in the conversation for the college football playoff as well as... Uh, at least a New Year's Six bowl game going forward. Instead, now, you look at the rest of the Aggie schedule, you can argue that it's a schedule that they can win out with. And even if something trips them up along the way, at 8-2, they're still going to be in the conversation for a New Year's Six bowl game. And I think as much as people wanted to see progress going into this season, and maybe they're not seeing you know, exact everything they need to see. At the end of the year, AM and will still be where people would at least like them to be in terms of the state of the program, and that's as a top-ten, quasi-top-ten team that's playing in the New Year's Day type of bowl game.
0: Obviously some bad news coming out of that, that win, though. The, the injury to Caleb Chapman, who was really good on Saturday. You know, in the passing game, you look like he was really clicking for the Aggies on Saturday. Who's going to have to step up there and sort of fill that role?
1: Well, it's interesting because A&M is now down uh, five receivers yeah. that were in the two deep last year at this time. Uh, Chapman was one of them. Uh, they lost Cameron Buckley, who was at one point slated to start in the, in the slot in the off season. All three starters from last year are gone, so it, it's kind of a tribute to Fisher and Kellen Mond that they've been able to overcome that. They've worked Chase Lane into the mix, who is he's fast, but more than anything else, he has the ability to adjust the ball, run precise routes, get open, and now kind of serve as a check down receiver for Kellen Mond. Uh, Jalen Wademeyer had a very, very nice game on Saturday and an eight-catch game against Bama a couple of weeks before. They've got to find somebody else to step up at the other outside receiver spot. Also, keep in mind that Anaya Smith was moved back to the slot this week. A&M can do some things with him. Uh, As far as filling that other receiver spot, they would probably like to get Hez Jones back, who's been injured uh, all of last season, has missed so far this season as well. If they can get him back, he's an experienced guy who can run. He would fill Chapman's role very, very well in terms of being the deep threat, the clear-out threat in the offense. But, again, that remains to be seen in terms of when he comes back and they may not be until after they have an off week and a couple of weeks and then Arkansas after that.
0: When you look at that game on Saturday, you know, Kellen Mond played really well, and he's a guy who's – you know. You know the talent's there. You know the high ceiling is there. But he's had some games where it just hasn't been there for him. But, you know, 25 of 35, 338, three touchdowns passing. Is that Kellen Mond at his best? Is, is that is that, and is that a performance that he can, can duplicate and sustain throughout the year?
1: He actually had a quality outing against Alabama. It, it, it got lost in the, in the pick six that he threw. Yeah. Uh, and, but he still threw for over 300 yards. He he had a good first half except for the pick six, and then in the second half he simply had to throw the ball on every down because they were down three scores. But what Mond did Saturday was he looked much more decisive, much more comfortable. He got the ball out much more quickly. And so as a result, all of those things are things that everybody's been wanting to see from him. And to see those things, to kind of validate the fact that hey look you know we we've, we've got this guy we've we've invested a lot of time in him jimbo fisher has publicly backed him a lot despite fan criticism and now he's playing like the guy again that you would expect a senior quarterback to be he's getting AM to the right place he's checking into the right place he's making the right post snap reads. so for all of that and also in terms of his leadership skills, Mond is, is looking like the guy that everyone thought he would be. And for A&M, that's a big plus because A&M has, now looks like they can be a team also that can run the football, which in turn takes pressure off of him and opens up a lot of options for Jimbo Fisher as a play caller.
0: And that's what I was going to ask about next was Isaiah Spiller, who's just been playing at a really high level, You know, a couple of hundred-yard games. He had a huge game, 174 yards rushing. Against Florida, that guy, you know, was sort of under the radar running backs behind Liam and Najee Harris, maybe even Kylan Hill here here at Mississippi State, but he's really stepped forward this year. I think he might be one of the best running backs uh, in in the country. But MSU has been really good against the run this year. Do you you like that matchup for the Aggies? I like the
1: fact that A&M's offensive line, beginning with the Alabama game. Started running more power encounter. They started pulling it, they started using more two tight end sets. They started pulling a tight end and a lineman from the opposite side of the formation. Spiller is patient enough to allow those blocks to develop. He has good enough vision to see where people are being pushed around. And he has the physicality and the balance to hit the hole and win win contact at the next level of the defense. That's what made A&M so successful on Saturday. Because when they were down 28-17, they had just gotten a penalty two on the kickoff. They were starting at their own 12-yard line. They had had, uh, all kinds of uh, 15-yard flags. They just really seemed out of sorts. And what happened is, is that Fisher put everything on the back of the offensive line and Spiller. And it's an experienced offensive line. They've got they have five guys of starting experience coming into the season, and they probably played their best game. Given the level of competition, what was at stake? They played their best game in two years. They put everything. They put the offense and the team on their back. And on their next two possessions, I think A and M threw the ball just three times. Everything else was done on the ground, and that's a tribute to the play calling and to the execution and the physicality of those guys up front.
0: Obviously, you know with this matchup, we have to talk about about the defense. You saw what Mississippi State was able to do against LSU, but then I'm sure you've seen the last two weeks things have not gotten going. Kyle Trask and Mac Jones, obviously elite quarterbacks, uh, they had big days against the Aggie secondary. Can are they up to the challenge of the air raid offense?
1: Well, it's been really interesting to see Mississippi State struggle their last two games. Teams have learned to. You know, we're not. They're not going to play them in man. They're going to drop a lot of people back. They're going to keep everything in front of them. They're going to make them work the ball down the field. Interestingly enough, I, I watched Leach's offenses a lot when he was at, at Texas Tech and, and A&M was, was in the Big 12. Yeah. It, it, it's an offense that people don't understand. It's, it's a pretty simple offense. There aren't a lot of plays. There are a lot of formations. The concept, uh, for example, on... on on double mesh you just you don't just you know sit there and go well this guy did this you've got to throw these guys open you have got to find the windows the receivers have to help you out by running again continue running against man covers settling down versus zone. Um, and I think that's one of the things that Mississippi State is missing right now the receivers don't know exactly what to do against these coverages so they're not providing good windows for the quarterbacks for the football. But also, I think the quarterbacks themselves are holding the ball too long, and they're getting pressured, and then they're making throws that it's easier for the defensive backs to break on. So, from A and standpoint, what they've got to do is something that they've struggled to do the first two or at least the last few weeks is keep things in front of them. It'll be real interesting to see how Mike Elko plays his hand this week. If he goes with that same three-man front that. Seen the last two weeks, and if they play a lot more man, uh, excuse me, zone coverage and keep things in front of them.
0: How do you see the game playing out this weekend in Starkville?
1: I, I think it comes down to again for a And M not allowing any big plays. Uh, they they even last week they didn't allow the touchdown plays that they did against Alabama. But still, Florida was able to generate chunk plays. Get themselves in the red zone and then convert those for touchdowns. In fact, A and M has given up touchdowns on 13 of its 19 possessions in those last two games. Uh, so they've got to be able to do that. If they can do that on defense, and what that means is the the game becomes one where it stays competitive for A and M. They can try to run the ball. They can use their physicality up front. Uh, Mississippi State's defense has been pretty good so far, especially against the run. But if they can do those things, and A&M hasn't won in Starkville since 2012. It's been a tough place to play, even though the last all three times they've lost, they've come in ranked. Yeah. So if A&M can come in and, and establish the running game and make Mond's life easier in terms of the passing game, I think that's the ticket for them to win the game. Plus, again, don't give up don't give up many chunk plays. Keep Mississippi State out of the end zone, if not the red zone, and keep the score you know, keep the score manageable. Don't put it you know they were really fortunate that Kellen Maughn played the way he did. Maybe Kellen Maughn played like that the rest of the year. But it's but it's best at this point in time to rely on the running game like they did not put so much on the quarterback, especially with the injuries at receiver.
0: All right, well, we'll see what happens at Davis Wade on Saturday when Texas A&M comes down. Jeff Tarpley from Giggum 24-7, man. Thanks so much for your time. Always love having you on.
1: Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. A Super Talk
0: Mississippi media production.